Part eight of the History of the Caliph Bathek by William Beckford. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. During these occurrences, the moon arose, the wind subsided, and the evening became so serene and inviting that a resolution was taken to sup on the spot. Sutlememe, who excelled in dressing a salad, having filled large bowls of porcelain with eggs of small birds, curds turned with citron juice, slices of cucumber, and the inmost leaves of delicate herbs, handed it round from one to another, and gave each their share in a large spoon of cocknos. Gulchenruz, nestling as usual in the bosom of Nouronihar, pouted out his vermilion little lips against the offer of Sutlememe, and would take it only from the hand of his cousin, on whose mouth he hung like a bee inebriated with the quintessence of flowers. One of the eunuchs ran to fetch melons, whilst others were employed in showering down almonds from the branches that overhung this amiable party. In the midst of this festive scene there appeared a light on the top of the highest mountain, which attracted the notice of every eye. This light was not less bright than the moon when at full, and might have been taken for her, had it not been that the moon was already risen. The phenomenon occasioned a general surprise, and no one could conjecture the cause. It could not be a fire, for the light was clear and bluish, nor had meteors ever been seen of that magnitude or splendour. This strange light faded for a moment, and immediately renewed its brightness. It first appeared motionless at the foot of the rock, whence it darted in an instant to sparkle in a thicket of palm trees. From thence it glided along the torrent, and at last fixed in a glen that was narrow and dark. The movement had taken its direction. Gulchenruz, whose heart always trembled at anything sudden or rare, drew Nouronihar by the robe and anxiously requested her to return to the harem. The women were importunate in seconding the entreaty, but the curiosity of the emir's daughter prevailed. She not only refused to go back, but resolved at all hazards to pursue the appearance. Whilst they were debating what was best to be done, the light shone forth so dazzling a blaze that they all fled away shrieking. Nouronihar followed them a few steps, but, coming to the turn of a little by-path, stopped and went back alone. As she ran with an alertness peculiar to herself, it was not long before she came to the place where they had just been supping. The globe of fire now appeared stationary in the glen, and burned in majestic stillness. Nouronihar, compressing her hands upon her bosom, hesitated for some moments to advance. The solitude of her situation was new, the silence of the night awful, and every object inspired sensations which till then she never had felt. The affright of Gulchenrose recurred to her mind, and she a thousand times turned to go back. But this luminous appearance was always before her. Urged on by an irresistible impulse, she continued to approach it, in defiance of every obstacle that opposed her progress. At length she arrived at the opening of the glen, but, instead of coming up to the light, she found herself surrounded by darkness, excepting that at a considerable distance a faint spark glimmered by fits. She stopped a second time, the sound of waterfalls mingling their murmurs, the hollow rustlings amongst the palm branches, and the funereal screams of the birds from their rifted trunks, all conspired to fill her with terror. She imagined every moment that she trod on some venomous reptile. All the stories of malignant dives and dismal ghouls thronged into her memory. 
but her curiosity was, notwithstanding, more predominant than her fears. She therefore firmly entered a winding track that led towards the spark, but being a stranger to the path, she had not gone far till she began to repent of her rashness. Alas, said she, that I were but in those secure and illuminated apartments where my evenings glided on with Gulchenrose. Dear child, how would thy heart flutter with terror wert thou wandering in these wild solitudes like me? At the close of this apostrophe, she regained her road, and, coming to steps hewn out in the rock, ascended them undismayed. The light, which was now gradually enlarging, appeared above her on the summit of the mountain. At length she distinguished a plaintive and melodious union of voices, proceeding from a sort of cavern. That resembled the dirges which are sung over tombs, a sound likewise like that which arises from the filling of baths, at the same time struck her ear. She continued ascending, and discovered large wax torches in full blaze, planted here and there in the fissures of the rock. This preparation filled her with fear, whilst the subtle and potent odour which the torches exhaled caused her to sink almost lifeless at the entrance of the grot. Casting her eyes within, in this kind of trance, she beheld a large cistern of gold filled with the water, whose vapour distilled on her face a dew of the essence of roses. A soft symphony resounded through the grot. On the sides of the cistern she noticed appendages of royalty, diadems and feathers of the heron, all sparkling with carbuncles. Whilst her attention was fixed on this display of magnificence, the music ceased, and a voice instantly demanded. For what monarch were these torches kindled, this bath prepared, and these habiliments, which belong not only to the sovereigns of the earth, but even to the talismanic powers? To which a second voice answered, They are for the charming daughter of the emir Fakreddin. What, replied the first, for that trifler who consumes her time with a giddy child, immersed in softness, and who can at best make but an enervated husband. And can she, rejoined the other voice, be amused with such empty trifles, whilst the caliph, the sovereign of the world, he who is destined to enjoy the treasures of the pre-Adamite sultans, a prince six feet high, and whose eyes pervade the inmost soul of a female, is inflamed with the love of her? No. She will be wise enough to answer that passion alone that can aggrandize her glory. No doubt she will, and despise the puppet of her fancy. Then all the riches this place contains, as well as the carbuncle of Gyamskid, shall be hers. You judge right, returned the first voice, and I haste to Istakar to prepare the palace of subterranean fire for the reception of the bridal pair. The voices ceased, the torches were extinguished, the most entire darkness succeeded, and Nuronahar, recovering with a start, found herself reclined on a sofa in the harem of her father. She clapped her hands, and immediately came together Gulchenrose and her women, who, in despair at having lost her, had dispatched eunuchs to seek her in every direction. Shaban appeared with the rest, and began to reprimand her with an air of consequence. "'Little impertinent,' said he, Whence got you false keys, or are you beloved of some genius that has given you a picklock? I will try the extent of your power. Come to your chamber, through the two skylights, and expect not the company of Gulchenrose. Be expeditious, I will shut you up in the double tower. At these menaces, Nuronahar indignantly raised her head, opened on Shaban her black eyes, which, 
since the important dialogue of the enchanted grot were considerably enlarged and said go speak thus to slaves but learn to reverence her who is born to give laws and subject all to her power she was proceeding in the same style but was interrupted by a sudden explanation of the caliph the caliph the curtains at once were thrown open and the slaves prostrate in double rows whilst poor little gulchenrouz hid himself beneath the elevation of a sofa at first appeared a file of black eunuchs trailing after them long trains of muslin embroidered with gold and holding in their hands censers which dispensed as they passed the grateful perfume of the wood of aloes next marched bababalouk with a solemn strut and tossing his head as not overpleased at the visit vathek came close after superbly robed his gait was unembarrassed and noble and his presence would have engaged admiration though he had not been the sovereign of the world he approached nouronihar with a throbbing heart and seemed enraptured at the full effulgence of her radiant eyes of which he had before caught but a few glimpses but she instantly depressed them and her confusion augmented her beauty bababalouk who was a thorough adept in coincidences of this nature and knew that the worst game should be played with the best face immediately made a signal for all to retire and no sooner did he perceive beneath the sofa the little one's feet than he drew him forth without ceremony set him upon his shoulders and lavished on him as he went off a thousand odious caresses gulchenrouz cried out and resisted till his cheeks became the colour of the blossom of the pomegranate and the tears that started into his eyes shot forth a gleam of indignation he cast a significant glance at nouronihar which the caliph noticing asked is that then your gulchenrouz sovereign of the world answered she spare my cousin whose innocence and gentleness deserve not your anger take comfort said vathek with a smile he is in good hands bababalouk is fond of children and never goes without sweetmeats and comfits the daughter of fakreddin was abashed and suffered gulchenrouz to be borne away without adding a word the tumult of her bosom betrayed her confusion and vathek becoming still more impassioned gave a loose to his frenzy which had only not subdued the last faint strugglings of reluctance when the emir suddenly bursting in threw his face upon the ground at the feet of the caliph and said commander of the faithful abase not yourself to the meanness of your slave no emir replied vathek i raise her to an equality with myself i declare her my wife and the glory of your race shall extend from one generation to another alas my lord said fakreddin as he plucked off the honours of his beard cut short the days of your faithful servant rather than force him to depart from his word nouronihar as her hands evince is solemnly promised to gulchenrouz the son of my brother ali hassan they are united also in heart their faith is mutually plighted and affiances so sacred cannot be broken what then replied the caliph bluntly would you surrender this divine beauty to a husband more womanish than herself and can you imagine that i will suffer her charms to decay in hands so inefficient and nerveless no she is destined to live out her life within my embraces such is my will retire and disturb not the time i devote to the homage of her charms the irritated emir drew forth his sabre 
presented it to Vathek, and stretching out his neck, said in a firm tone of voice, Strike your unhappy host, my lord. He has lived long enough since he has seen the prophet's vice-regent violate the rights of hospitality. At his uttering these words, Nouronihar, unable to support any longer the conflict of her passion, sank down in a swoon. Vathek, both terrified for her life and furious at an opposition to his will, bade Fakreddin assist his daughter and withdrew, darting his terrible look at the unfortunate emir who suddenly fell backward, bathed in a sweat as cold as the damp of death. Gulchenrus, who had escaped from the hands of Bababaluk, and was that instant returned, called out for help as loudly as he could, not having strength to afford it himself. Pale and panting, the poor child attempted to revive Nouronihar by caresses, and it happened that the thrilling warmth of his lips restored her to life. Fakreddin, beginning also to recover from the look of the caliph, with difficulty tottered to a seat, and after warily casting round his eye to see if this dangerous prince was gone, sent for Shaban and Sutmameme, and said to them apart, My friends, violent evils require as violent remedies. The caliph has brought desolation and horror into my family, and how shall we resist his power? Another of his looks will send me to my grave. Fetch then that narcotic powder which the dervish brought me from Arakan. A dose of it, the effect of which will continue three days, must be administered to each of these children. The caliph will believe them to be dead, for they will have all the appearance of death. We shall go as if to inter them in the cave of Maimune, at the entrance of the great desert of sand, and near the cabin of my dwarfs. When all the spectators shall be withdrawn, you, Shaban, and four select eunuchs, shall convey them to the lake, where provisions shall be ready to support them a month. For one day allotted to the supplies this event will occasion, five to the tears, a fortnight to reflection, and the rest to prepare for renewing his progress will, according to my calculation, fill up the whole time that Vathek will tarry, and I shall then be freed from his intrusion. Your plan, says Sutlememe, is a good one, if it can but be effected. I have remarked that Nouronihar is well able to support the glances of the caliph, and that he is far from being sparing of them to her. Be assured, therefore, notwithstanding her fondness for Gulchenrois, she will never remain quiet while she knows him to be here, unless we can persuade her that both herself and Gulchenrois are really dead, and that they were conveyed to those rocks for a limited season to expiate the little faults of which their love was the cause. We will add that we killed ourselves in despair and that your dwarves, whom they never yet saw, will preach to them delectable sermons. I will engage that everything shall succeed to the bent of your wishes. Be it so, said Fakreddin. I approve your proposal. Let us lose not a moment to give it effect. They forthwith hastened to seek for the powder, which, being mixed in the sherbet, was immediately drank by Gulchenrois and Nouronihar. Within the space of an hour, both were seized with violent palpitations, and a general numbness gradually ensued. They arose from the floor, where they had remained ever since the caliph's departure, and, ascending to the sofa, reclined themselves at full length upon it, clasped in each other's embraces. "'Cherish me, my dear Nouronihar,' said Gulchenrois. "'Put thy hand upon my heart, for it feels as if it were frozen. "'Alas!' Thou art as cold as myself. 
Has the caliph murdered us both with his terrible look? I am dying, cried she in a faltering voice. Press me closer. I am ready to expire. Let us die then together, answered the little Gulchenruz, whilst his breast laboured with a convulsive sigh. Let me at least breathe forth my soul on thy lips. They spoke no more, and became as dead. Immediately the most piercing cries were heard through the harem, whilst Shaban and Satanemi personated with great adroitness the parts of persons in despair. The emir, who was sufficiently mortified to be forced into such untoward expedients, and had now for the first time made a trial of his powder, was under no necessity of counterfeiting grief. The slaves, who had flocked together from all quarters, stood motionless at the spectacle before them. All lights were extinguished save two lamps, which shed a wan glimmering over the faces of these lovely flowers, that seemed to be faded in the springtime of life. Funeral vestments were prepared, their bodies were washed with rose-water, their beautiful traces were braided and incensed, and they were wrapped in simars whiter than alabaster. At the moment that their attendants were placing two wreaths of their favourite jasmines on their brows, the caliph, who had just heard of the tragical catastrophe, arrived. He looked not less pale and haggard than the ghouls that wander at night among graves. Forgetful of himself and everyone else, he broke through the midst of the slaves, fell prostrate at the foot of the sofa, beat his bosom, called himself atrocious murderer, and invoked upon his head a thousand imprecations. With a trembling hand he raised the veil that covered the countenance of Nouronihar, and uttering a loud shriek, fell lifeless on the floor. The chief of the eunuchs dragged him off with horrible grimaces, and repeated as he went, Ay, I foresaw she would play you some ungracious term. End of part eight.